Maybe not smell pretty. I smell like coffee. <laughs> That's it. Can you hear me, guys? Good morning. Good morning, guys. <laughs> As we're taking our seats, children, come on down. Mr. Terry has our children's moment this this morning. Come on down, children. They got me sitting on y'all's carpet. What's going on with that? I noticed. How y'all doing this morning? Pretty good. They're talking today about Jonah. Does anybody know about Jonah? Do you know the story of Jonah? Well, Mr. Jonah was told by God, he said, I want you to go down to Nineveh and tell them people I don't like what they're doing. Well, he didn't really like, Jonah didn't really like the people of Nineveh anyway, and so he decided, I'm not going. So he got on a boat, took off, and God changed his mind. He gave him a different ride. They throwed him out of the boat because of this big storm. And he told them, said, throw me over the side. And God will leave y'all alone. So this big fish come up and swallowed Jonah. Can you imagine that? Anyway, he spit him out on the shore, gave Jonah a long time to think about it, and he said, God, I'm sorry. God said, well, go on into Nineveh and tell them what I tell you to do. He said, I'm going to destroy this place in 40 days. He went in, he told them that, and then he went back up on the hill and was waiting to see what was going to happen. Forty days came and nothing happened because the people heard what, what he told them and they repented and God changed his mind and said, no, I'm not going to destroy it now because you guys were sorry. It made Jonah so mad. Jonah was sitting up there saying, you made me look like such a fool. You said you were going to destroy that. I told them they was going to destroy that. And God said, forgiveness is not your, your job. That's mine. Just because you don't like people doesn't mean I don't have to, that I don't like them. And if they tell me that they don't like you, I don't have to condemn you. So that's kind of what the story of Jonah actually comes about to. God loves everybody, and he's willing to give everybody a chance. So don't let somebody tell you that God don't love you. I got this little song. Can I play it for you? I know you guys have heard it so many times probably, but this helps me out whenever I'm stopped. And I start thinking about things. The way it came about was, do you have a pet, like a dog or a cat, and they come up to you and 
you kind of pet them a little bit and it makes them feel good. Well, I was one day had a lot of things on my mind and I was thinking about God and this little gentle breeze was blowing. And it was just, I don't know, my imagination may be crazy, but it just kind of felt like maybe, you know, God was touching me. And so I went and I sat down and I wrote all this stuff down. And I made a song out of it. Kind of goes like this. Soft as a breeze, you comes to me, saying, Oh, can't you see? Got too much on your mind, leave the details to me. Just do what I ask, you are up to the task. Just follow the design, soft as a breeze. Keep your hearts wide open to the things I want you to know. Your love for me will deepen with the things I've yet to show. Don't let yourselves get in the way. There are bigger things than you. If you will be a part of me, I will be a part of you. Soft as a breeze, God comes to me, saying, Oh, can't you see? You've got too much on your mind. Leave the details to me. Just do what I ask. You are up to the task. Just follow the design soft as a breeze. Thank you for your time. Go. Appreciate it.
be seated. The scripture message today is from Jonah 3, verses 1 through 5 and 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned their turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. these tithes and offerings, that they may glorify thy name. Watch over the ones who are not able to be with us this morning. Be with them and watch over them. Be with all the sick and afflicted and heal them if be thy will. Thank you so much for this church, our church family. Thank you for all our families. Watch over us as we go through each and every day. Let us always be thankful for what we have. Let us go from this place and spread the word. 
Let us always do thy will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. How would you like to start the sermon off today with a good joke? Well, actually, it's a bad joke. <laughs> but there are some jokes that are so bad that, that they bear repeating. Uh, and this is one of them. So if you've heard me tell this one before, just bear that in mind. It seems that there was a fisherman... So you know this is a bad joke right off the bat, don't you? 
there's this fisherman, and his wife were blessed with twin, with twin sons. They loved their children very much, but they couldn't settle on what to name them. And so finally, the fisherman said, let's not decide on what to name them right away. Let's just wait a while, and the names will just come to us naturally. So after a while, after several weeks, they began to notice something peculiar. When left alone, one of the boys would always turn towards the sea and face the sea, while the other one would always face inland. It didn't matter it didn't matter which way the parents positioned the children, they would roll over and the same child would always face in the same position, the same direction, one towards the sea and the other one away from the sea. And so the fisherman said, that's it. Let's name the boys towards and away. Since one of the boys is always looking towards the sea and the other boy is always looking away from the sea. Well, the wife finally agreed, and from that point on, the boys were known as towards and away. Weird. Well, the years passed, and and the boys grew tall and strong, and the day came when the fisherman said to the boys, Boys, it's time for you to learn how to make a living from the sea. And so they supplied their boat, said their goodbyes, and set sail for a three-month voyage. But something happened. Three whole years went by, and the fisherman's wife was afraid that all three of her men had been lost at sea. But then one day, this grieving woman saw a lone man walking towards her house, and she recognized him as her husband. My goodness, what happened to my darling boy, she cried. And so the ragged fisherman began to tell his story. We were just barely one day out to sea, he said. Tords hooked into a great fish. Tords fought long and hard, but the fish was more than his equal. For a whole week they wrestled upon the waves without either of them letting up. But eventually the great fish started to win the battle, and Tords was pulled over the side of our ship. He was swallowed whole, and we never saw either one of them again. Oh, dear, that must have been terrible, said his wife. What a huge fish that must have been. Yes, it was, said the fisherman. But you should have seen the one that got away. All right, I know it's a bad one. (laughs) But what a great story to prepare us to hear once again the old story of Jonah. And the big fish. God came to a man named Jonah and told him to go to Nineveh, a wicked city, and preach against them because the wickedness, their wickedness had come before the Lord, he said. In other words, his assignment was to proclaim God's judgment upon Nineveh for their sins. But Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. You see, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, which was an historic enemy of Israel. 
back in the 7th and 8th centuries B.C., the Assyrians plundered Palestine. They looted and burned its cities and deported most of its citizens, and they completely destroyed the northern kingdom. And so with, with good reason, Jonah hated the Assyrians. And so when God came to Jonah and and told him to go and to preach to the people of Nineveh, what what do you think Jonah did? He went in the exact opposite direction. He got in a boat headed west towards Tarshish on the coast of Spain, which is the exact opposite direction from where he was supposed to go. In other words, he was running away from God's call on his life. He was fleeing from the Lord. Of course, Jonah didn't understand that that God is a universal God and there's no place that we can run from God. God is in every land. In fact, you've probably heard some sermons before taken from the book of Jonah about the futility of, of running from God. But we all do it sometimes, don't we? We may not get on a boat. We may not get on a ship, but we do it with our minds and with our hearts. We tune God out. We ignore the voice that calls us to to serve our neighbor, to serve our church, to serve our God. We ignore that call. And we get involved in other things that preclude us from serving God and fulfilling God's call on us. The great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard put it like this. He said, at each man's birth, there comes into being an eternal vocation expressly for him. To be true to himself in relationship to this vocation is the highest thing a man can do. Well put. Have you discovered your calling from God yet? It is there. And we need to listen for it. Methodist Bishop William Willimon tells a story about a young man named Sam who was quite troubled in his life, totally irresponsible. He made many mistakes growing up, including flunking out of college. Forced to find a job, he he met a woman there and they got married and they began attending church together. And as time went on, Sam felt a tugging on his heart as if God were calling him towards the ministry. Well, he dreaded telling his parents, but he finally did. He explained that even though his life had taken a lot of twists and turns along the way, he now felt that he had found his calling. Well, when he had finished saying this, his mother burst into tears and she, she cried, I'm so ashamed. I can't believe this is happening. Well, this young man was baffled by this. So he said, he asked his mom, what do you mean? And she said, I can't believe that this has happened. And she said, didn't I tell you that before you were born, I had several miscarriages and, and, and honestly, I didn't think I would ever have a child. And so I promised God that if he would if he would give me a baby, I would name him Samuel and would dedicate him to God, just like Hannah did in the Old Testament. Well, Sam couldn't believe what he was hearing. Why didn't you ever tell me this? He asked. You could have saved me a whole lot of trouble if you would have told me about this. So his mother said, well, we're Methodists. 
How was I supposed to know that something like this would work? I didn't even know we believed in that kind of thing. Well, I suspect that many of us would be surprised at how many prayers we've prayed over the years that have been answered. Surprisingly so sometimes. It seems that that Sam was destined for the ministry and he would not be content anywhere else. Well, Jonah tried to flee from his calling from God. He tried to run away from what God had had called him to do. But what happened? Well, you probably heard the story. The ship that he was on encountered a vicious storm that was and and the ship was tossed about on the waves like a like a toy. And the winds and the waves were so fierce that the even the seasoned sailors began to beg their gods for mercy. Then they finally cast lots in order to determine Who the gods were angry with. Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us, they prayed. And the lot fell upon Jonah. And so Jonah confessed to them that he had displeased his God by running away from God's presence. And so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah replied, throw me into the sea and and it'll be calm. Well, to their credit, they did not want to throw Jonah into the sea. And they tried their best to, to row back to the shore, but they couldn't make it. And, 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 and then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us responsible for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the sea grew calm. The Bible tells us that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. I believe it was Dwight L. Moody who said that it was perfectly reasonable for a fish to be able to swallow Jonah. I mean, after all, Jonah is only one of the minor prophets. I know, another bad joke. But it's interesting to note that Jesus once referred to this story of of Jonah. There were some skeptics who wanted a sign that Christ was truly the Messiah, who he said he was. And Jesus told them that the only sign that they would receive would be the sign of Jonah. And he left it at that. He didn't tell them what that meant. But what he meant by that is that Christ would emerge from the ground on the third day after his crucifixion, just as Jonah had emerged from the belly of the fish after three days. And so this big fish can no longer stomach Jonah after he had been there for three days, and the fish coughs him up on dry land, alive and well, and probably a little humbled by now. I think I would be. And so at this point, the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And that's where our passage of Scripture picks up today. And God told him again to go and preach to Nineveh. And by now, Jonah is in no mood to argue. (laughs) 
He's learned his lesson. So he went to Nineveh and preached like he had never preached before. He told them 40 days and the Lord will destroy this city. 40 days is all you have to repent. Well, guess what happened? Something amazing took place. The Bible tells us that the people of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and put put on sackcloth, all of them, from the greatest to the least of them. Even the king of Nineveh repented. He dressed in sackcloth and issued a, a decree of total surrender to the will of God. Jonah's revival services were a tremendous success. Every sinner repented. Every heart was changed. And you would think that a preacher would rejoice in such a great victory as this. But not Jonah. Not Jonah. Because you see, the very thing that Jonah feared the most happened. God changed God's mind and decided not to destroy Nineveh. Then we come to some of the most fascinating sentences in the Bible. When God decided to spare Nineveh, this seemed very wrong to Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's why I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who is ready to relent from punishment. And now, O Lord, take my life away from me, for it is better for me to die than it is to live. Can you believe that? Jonah had preached to the Ninevites. They had repented. And because they repented, God changed God's mind about destroying them. And Jonah should have been thrilled about this. But instead, he was so angry that he literally wanted to die. You see, he hated the Ninevites so much. That he would have preferred to see God's judgment upon them than for them to turn to God and to repent. So then Jonah went out on a hill overlooking the city of Nineveh to see what would happen. To see if God would acknowledge Jonah's displeasure. And at this point, God decided to have a little fun with his wayward prophet. God made a plant grow up near Jonah to shade him while he sits there and pouts. And the plant pleases Jonah immensely. I mean, it's one thing to have to to have a temper tamper, but it's another thing to sit all day in the hot sun. If he's going to sit there until he dies, at least he'll do it in comfort. In the shade of this tree. But then the sun comes up. And the Lord sends a worm to attack the plant that is shading Jonah. And so it withers and dies. 
And then God sends a hot eastern wind and the sun beats down on on Jonah's head and the heat is so hot that he feels like he's about to faint. And, And Jonah becomes so uncomfortable and so angry that again he asks God to let him die. And so God speaks to Jonah again. And God asked Jonah if he's angry about this dying plant. And, and Jonah answered that, of course, he is angry, angry enough to die. And then God teaches Jonah a lesson in two of the most important verses of the Bible. God says to Jonah, you have been concerned about this plant. Even though you did not tend to it or or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And then he said, should I not have more concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot even tell their right hand from their left? And that's how the book of Jonah ends. That's how it ends. This is the lesson that Jonah learned That day, God's love is a universal love. That's it, folks. God's love is a universal love. God's love is as certain for the people of Nineveh as it is for the people of Jerusalem or New York or San Francisco or Phoenix, or Birmingham, or Baghdad, or Tehran, or Henderson. God is no respecter of nations, or races, or even religions. God loves all people. White people, and black people, rich people, and poor people. Old people, young people, God is not interested in labels or professions or even philosophies. God is only interested in people. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so loved North Americans or English-speaking people or capitalists or liberals or conservatives or anything like that. God so loved the world. That's the gospel, my friends. And so we have to learn to, to live together. We have to learn how to respect one another as members of a single family of God. And I don't want to drive this point into the ground, but this is what the the book of Jonah is all about. God loves everybody. Jews and Gentiles, Arabs and Africans, the people of, of Nineveh and the people of Israel. And there is no place in the kingdom of God for any kind of hatred or prejudice. Racial or religious or national. We all belong to one great family. And Christ died for all of us. Your sins, 
and my sins. But also for the sins of our greatest enemy. Robert Young tells about having lunch at a small inn years ago, and and across the bottom of the menu was written these words, Only Christians served here. Well, being quite naive in those days, he remarked to the other people at the table with him how refreshing it was to find a hotel that was so interested in the Christian life. But one of his friends said, You missed the point. What it means is that Jews are not welcome. That means that Jesus wouldn't be welcome. Which, of course, is the idea. For you see, any place where any of God's children are not welcome, Jesus is not welcome. And I thank God that we don't see signs like that anymore, at least most places. I thank God that things have improved in our land. But my friends, the demand for us to love all people is still the same. And I think that that little children's song that many of us loved and sang when we were small says it the very best. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 384, The Bond of Love. And There may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. It may be a day for you to say yes to this love that God has given to us. And I know that this this may seem odd to us because our natural inclination is is to hate our enemies and to hate the people who are different from us. But this is what makes the gospel of Christ so remarkable. For you see, we are called not to hate our enemies, but to love the people who are different from us. And that's why Jonah had such a hard time with this. But that's why. That's why God. That's what that's why Christ came to this earth. So that we can flip things around and so that we can live a life of love instead of a life of hatred. A life of acceptance instead of a life of prejudice. God, Christ came to, to break down those barriers. And maybe you've had some of those barriers in your life and it's time to knock them down. Maybe you've had some of those barriers in your life and, and maybe you've put up some barriers between you and Christ and it's time to put those down. I invite you to do it today. We're going to sing the bond of love, number 384. And if you've never made a commitment to Christ, I hope you'll do it this morning. If you want to, to, to become a member of this church and join this church, we invite you to come and, and, and join our church today. Or, or maybe you need to just come and, and pray. We invite you to come.
If God's dealing in your heart in any way, let's we invite you as we sing the bond of love, number Please be seated for just one moment. I don't think I have to introduce this guy to most of you guys. Most, most of you have known this young fella since he was born. Uh, some of you may have even changed his diapers. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't need to say that, did I? <laughs> this is Max Warren, and Max has come to profess his faith in Jesus Christ. And to, be, and to follow the Lord in baptism. I spoke with Max uh, uh, last week, and um, he is making a commitment to Christ today, and this is a wonderful thing. This is the most important decision he'll ever make in his life, and it's a wonderful, wonderful decision, and, it's, and we commend you for it, Max. And so I hope that you'll join me in welcoming Max to our church and to the kingdom of God, the family of Christ, as we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Max, I tell just about everybody that joins this church this, and here it is. We're all ministers. Do you know that? You do now. (laughs) You know what that means? It means that you're a minister. Okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And what that means is that we all take care of each other. We are the family of God, and we all watch after each other. And that means that that as, as you grow, and even now, we're looking forward to the ministry that we have for you, and we have had for you since you've been here all these years. But you know what? We're also looking for the ministry that you have for us because we minister to each other and we take care of each other. And that's what Christians do. So we look forward to that. And you have good things in store for you in the future. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I know you'll want to come and speak with Max um, after the service and greet him and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome him into the fellowship. He was a little... uh, uh, a little trepidatious about coming for up front, so he brought his posse with him here <laughs> for support. 
Just a, just a few announcements. Let me uh, call to your attention before we uh, before we dismiss. Um, we do have a missions ministry team this afternoon at four o'clock, and then the recreation team meets at five, and then we'll be playing volleyball uh, this evening at six o'clock. Um, and uh, we invite you to come and be a part of that. We, it's a lot of fun. And even if you don't play volleyball, it's fun just to watch. It's entertaining. I know I entertained a lot of people uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, maybe tonight I'll even come out of my shoes and do another somersault. <laughs> Uh, but but just come and, and, and enjoy the fellowship and enjoy the fun and uh, and next week we're 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 doing some really neat things on uh, on Sunday night next week we're going to be doing bunko here I've never done anything like that and uh, but I understand we need to be here at six o'clock it's important for us to be here at six o'clock next week because uh, Nora is going to go through all of the uh, the rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff so if you're here you might miss it and. And won't know how to play uh, play well. Um, this Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, we had a wonderful prayer service. It, it was a wonderful time together. Uh, we mostly prayed. We mostly prayed uh, during that service. But as we were planning the service, we realized that, you know, we've got more to pray about than we can take care of in one week. And so we, we decided to have two weeks of prayer. And so we'll be doing another week of, of mostly just praying this week. And we're praying about different aspects of our church, different ministries of our church. And so let me invite you to come and be here on Wednesday night. Um, we have our regular um, activities, choir and, and children's choir at 515, then dinner at 545, and then we'll have our prayer time at 630. And so we hope that you'll be here for that. And Mary, I think you have uh, something that you'd like to say uh, about Christian outreach. Let us stand for our benediction. Sarah, you want to come stand next to Max? And people will come and shake your hand and give you hugs and everything. <laughs> Let us pray. 
Go with us wherever we go in this world, O God. Make us sensitive to your calling on our lives. Help us to embrace your will and not resist it. And help us to love the world as you love the world. Proclaiming that love to all who will listen. Amen. Blessings. Blessings. Have you been there since they shook hands? No. Let's finish that coffee.